that He Gets Us campaign has produced television videos that stress that Jesus gets us because He was human too. This morning, we will discuss and think about Jesus' compassion. We'll see the physician. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them. But more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things that people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. Compassion means to feel what somebody else feels. The word translated compassion refers to actually the bowels, the gut. It's When the Bible talks about compassion and applies it to Jesus, it talks about a deep, visceral resonance with the pain of somebody else. It's when somebody else's pain creates sympathy pains. This is what characterized Jesus. When God visited the planet, he was compassionate. When he saw suffering, it, it kicked him in the gut. He had, com- he had compassion for physical suffering. It says, man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. At the time, leprosy, you were forbidden by law to associate with a leper. They had an incurable, communicable disease. Went on, it says, Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. What drove Jesus' miracles were, was his compassion. It wasn't something he thought about. He saw somebody experiencing physical suffering, and it was something that uh, it it evoked a a, a base visceral response in Jesus. His miracles were driven by this, by his compassion, the feeling with the pain of somebody else. It wasn't just compassion for those in pain, but compassion for those in different types of physical distress. As Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And so Jesus fed the 5,000. That's the reason why Jesus did the miracles he did. Not that he was showing off, but because of how the it distresses of human beings, be they physical, pain, hunger, they, they trigger deep responses in him. And at the same time, his anger 
was driven when those who represented God did not represent God's compassion. It says, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Jesus had compassion for physical suffering. He also had compassion for non-physical suffering, for spiritual suffering. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus was observing the people in this town, he said that they were harassed and helpless. To be harassed means to be bothered, annoyed, and troubled. So when Jesus looked at these people, they were annoyed and they were troubled. They had to wait for this. They had to go here. They didn't want to do this. They were reacting as a bunch of people in a town would react. Not only were they harassed, troubled, bothered, and annoyed, they were helpless. They were not able to change their attitude. They were helpless to make changes. They couldn't be anything other than they were. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when Jesus looks at their state, he doesn't blame these people for their spiritual state. What he ends up saying, these people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was a good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, he understands that if the sheep are going to be able to thrive and survive, it's up to the shepherd to allow them to thrive and survive. Without a shepherd, sheep cannot thrive. They cannot survive. So what Jesus understands, these people who are sheep without a shepherd, of course they're going to be harassed and helpless. Of course they're going to be ignorant and going astray. They don't have the ability to navigate the road acceptably when they're on their own. And that's why we've said this before, the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. The difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. A bad shepherd blames sheep problems on bad sheep. A bad shepherd blames sheep problems on bad sheep. And a good shepherd blames sheep problems on bad shepherds.
Sheep cannot function effectively if they don't have a good shepherd. That's what Jesus understood. And so when he saw this group of people spiritually lost, he felt compassion for them, the same kind of compassion he felt for physical suffering. He saw spiritual suffering. And it didn't make him mad at the sheep. He, it, he wanted to go towards them. He wanted to be a shepherd who would restore them, who would guide them. He was angry at the shepherds who neglected the people. Sheep need to be handled compassionately. God channels compassion to the world through those he sends. Jesus became one of us. He became an embodied spirit being so that he could experience things we experience and so that we could know that he understands what it's like to experience loss. He understands what it's like to experience pain. We need to understand that he sees us and knows that. We need to understand that he is compassionate. But it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It talks about God as being the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. What it describes, if you know God, if you see God deeply, what you're going to see, God is the source of compassion. He is the epicenter from which compassion flows. It's natural for God to see someone in pain and to feel it deeply within him. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The word for comfort, it actually is probably better translated encouragement. It, comfort is not, it's not the word doesn't mean God comes along and says, oh, there, there. What the word means, it's to call somebody alongside and to use your influence to help them go in the way that they need to go. So it actually, the word comes from the Greek word to call alongside. If you are experiencing a difficulty, and I am going to do what this word describes. I'm going to say, hey, come on, come on over. And what I'll do is I will come alongside and help you walk down the road. It, we tend to confuse accountability and encouragement. Accountability is when you stand somebody in front and observe whether they're doing it right or not. That's accountability. That's not encouragement. Encouragement is not done in front of a person. It's done alongside the person. That's why to encourage is to call somebody alongside and walk with them on the road so that they can survive on the road that's truly best for them. It's what a shepherd does. A shepherd would never let sheep walk alone. They can't make it. That's why he encourages us. God is the father of compassion and the God of all encouragement. And look what it says. Who comforts us in all our troubles. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 
But it seems to suggest if God's going to encourage the world, he's going to do so by directly encouraging his children. And then his children are going to extend the comfort they received to those out in the world. Those who reflect God do so compassionately. I have a question. If God is going to communicate his encouragement and compassion to us, what that suggests is that we're going to experience troubles. We can't experience the kind of comfort and compassion God has for us if everything is going well. We have what we want, we do what we want, we think what we want, and we feel what we want. The problem is, when we experience difficult things, we tend to blame someone. We tend to think somebody did something wrong, I shouldn't be suffering. But what it's suggesting, if they are going to experience divine comfort, it's going to have to be channeled through his children who experience difficult things, who experience God's comfort, and then we, then when we come alongside others who are going through similar things, we're in a position to be able to say, hey, you know what? I know exactly what that's like. Not exactly, but I'm, I, I feel, and that's what God's representatives are to be like. Well, that's what Jesus was like. When he saw somebody in need, it hit him, and he felt it. And those who represent God do so compassionately. Because when God sent his son, that's what his son was like. There is a There's a, a reality here that um, that is true but difficult. Uh, those to and through whom God channels compassion and encouragement, those to and through whom God channels compassion and encouragement are going to experience suffering. And it's not because we've done anything wrong. It's because if they're going to be comforted, we're going to need to be comforted by him in the things that we deal with. When Jesus was called, look what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Would you... Would you agree with me? This is a water experience. He went into the water, came out, he saw God, heard God, experienced God. Water experiences are times when we feel especially close to God. When he does something so miraculous that we have no doubt that it's him. Think about the Israelites in the wilderness. When they walked through the Red Sea on dry land, that's a water experience. You've experienced a water experience? A time when God seemed to be really close a time when you recognized that he was with you. Maybe he did a miracle. Maybe he gave you something that you didn't imagine he was going to give you. That's a water experience. And that's what Jesus had. Came up out of the water, heard, saw. It was very moving. Look what happens 
It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The wilderness and the water in Israel are right next to one another. Jesus comes out of the water, is led into the wilderness, and it's and you get to the wilderness right away. Um, it's interesting if when you we find the godly individuals into the wilderness, it's never strangers. The only people God leads into the wilderness biblically are sons and daughters. Why would he do that? The wilderness is a place where you cause to hunger. You experience needs that you can't meet, and God meets them in unexpected ways. That's what happens in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where difficulties churn up emotions and thoughts that you don't want to think and feel. You end up feeling hurt and angry and alone. You feel feelings and you experience feelings that we don't like to experience, and, and we're apt to blame them. I shouldn't feel this. I should feel happy. I should praise God. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be hurt. If I was doing what God wanted me, I would we think that, don't we? If I was doing what God wanted me to do, I wouldn't be suffering. You know what happens in this verse? Jesus is doing what God wants him to do, and he experiences suffering. When God channels comfort to them, his children need to experience suffering so that they can experience comfort. Notice, again, how soon after the water experience, Jesus is in a wilderness experience. It says after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why did Jesus refuse the bread? Why? There was nothing wrong with turning a stone into bread. You know what was wrong with turning a stone into bread? If Jesus is going to be compassionate with those who experience hunger, he needs to experience hunger. What he understands that he, it's not God's purpose for him to use his connection with God to get whatever he wanted. Because the fact is, if he's going to channel what God wants him to channel to the world, he's going to have to learn not to get what he wants. He's going to have to learn to live in hardship because the people he serves are going to live in hardship. And in order for him understand to understand us, he has to understand what it feels like to be hungry. That's why he said no. I'm going to stick with the hunger because if I do, I can channel compassion to them. So I'm not going to turn the stone to bread. Then the devil took him to the holy city and have him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Why didn't he do this? The first need was physical. This is emotional. He might, I wonder if God's going to save me or not. Well, if I throw myself down and God picks me up, I'll know he's going to save me. But you know what Jesus said? No, because I need to know 
what it feels like to not know if God's going to catch you. Because my people are going to experience those kind of things. They're going to be in situations. They're going to walk through situations. They're going to say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I just lost a son. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And what, and what we need to understand is that God understands what it's like to not know how it's going to turn out because that's what Jesus experienced. So he said, no, I'm not going to throw myself down and make God prove himself. I'm going to live with the uncertainty. Because if I live with the uncertainty and experience the comfort, I'm going to be able to experience my children when they experience difficult things, when they feel frightened and alone, when they feel afraid, when they feel alone, when they feel alienated. And it was more important for Jesus to do that than to get his own needs met. That's why he said no to the devil. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know what Jesus knew about the, the Lord, God? It helps to know this when you're going through difficulty. You know who God is? He's the father of compassion and the God of all encouragement. If you find compassion and encouragement, it comes from Him. He's the epicenter of that. And if we're going to channel that to others, we're going to experience times where we're going to need to grab onto God's compassion and encouragement. When we experience difficulties, He's not judging. You know what He wants to do? to come toward, to call you alongside. Hey, let me walk with you. Let me walk with you. Let me help you deal with the pain you're dealing with. Let me help you deal with the confusion you're dealing with. Be honest with me about the pain that you feel. I'm not judging you. I understand it. I came so that I could understand it. Nobody says to you, I don't want you to walk alone. 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 I don't want you, I don't want you to walk alone. I don't want you to walk alone. I want you to let me walk with you. Who? The Father of Jesus. Jesus was full of compassion because the Father is full of compassion. Sometimes we love the Son, but we feel distance from the Father. The Father is exactly like the Son. Compassionate. Encouraging. That's what He's like. And when we understand that, no, we do. We let him come alongside and we, we, we want him to walk with us. Jesus resisted the temptation to relieve distress by appealing to his relationship with the Father. He knew that in order to channel the Father's compassion and encouragement, he was going to need to experience it. And in order to experience it, he was going to have to know what it felt to hurt. God's compassion is channeled through his children to the world. In order for those who don't know God to receive compassion, those who do know God need to experience distress. In order for those who don't know God to receive compassion, those who do know God need to experience distress and need to learn how to be comforted in the distress so that they can pass it on. 
we experience distress so that we can receive compassion and comfort from God. And then we have something real to channel to other people in need. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, you are the Father of compassion and the God of all encouragement. That's what you're like. You naturally move towards people. We don't understand why you do what you do. Why do you cause suffering to happen? Why do you allow it to happen? What we do know is with the suffering, you want to provide comfort, compassion, encouragement. And you do that interpersonally. Those who are your children, you lead into the wilderness. They learn to feel hunger and difficult things. But when they learn that, they also learn, if they know you, to rely on you and they experience your comfort. I ask that you would continue to to help us to trust you when we go through difficult things. Help us not to blame. Make corrections if we can, but to understand that we don't walk alone because we have the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who's walking with us. Thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.